today on It's Time. But you see, you got to do what God wants you to do, and it goes in steps. I can't expect God to use me somewhere greater if I failed the first couple of tests. I think God was probably convicting Moses all along. He knew what the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was, yet he wouldn't do it with his own son, but he was going to go stand up against Pharaoh. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. He says, I thought I put three in there, Nebuchadnezzar said, but no, there's a fourth like unto the Son of God. Wow, how is that? You see, again, you don't need a miracle till you need a miracle. I don't need to understand everything until I need to understand it. I don't know how the Lord makes poor, the Lord makes rich. I don't understand how the Lord makes deaf and the Lord makes hearing. I don't understand all those things. But I know this, if I can reconcile that God is God in this verse, everything else in the Bible is easy. That's why I think it's such an important verse. So he says, Now therefore, verse 12, Go... And I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Now, I like that. He said, go. That's part of what we do. Verse 13 is sad, and this is a good thing to learn. But he said, whenever you say but to God, you're in trouble. But he said, oh, Lord, please Send by your hand whomever else you may send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron Levi your brother? I know he can speak well. And look, he's also coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now, when you shall speak to him, you shall put the words in his mouth. In other words, he's a good talker, but he's a hollow shoe. Moses, you're going to be the one. He's going to be your servant. Moses, you're my servant. Aaron's going to be your servant. If you don't feel you can speak well enough to do this, then I'll give you Aaron to help you. Aaron turns out to be quite a thorn in Moses' side. He's the one that led the idolatry, calf worship. He also led an insurrection with, with Miriam against Moses. When God tells you to do something... You're all you need. He's all you need. He says, coming out, this was speaking prophetically, because we'll get in that as we read on here. And you shall speak to him the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. By the way, I will teach you. I'll teach you. Teach you. Hmm. That means I have to learn. That means I have to listen. And if I have to listen, what am I listening? Who am I listening to? (laughs) These are important things. Everybody is learning from someone. 
Who are you learning from? Are you learning from television? Are you learning from the songs in secular music on the radio? Are you learning from wicked friends? What are you, and who are you learning from? We all are learning. That's why the Bible says, Thy word I've hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. He says, I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman for the people. He himself shall be as much as a mouth for you, and you shall be uh, to him as God. So, in other words, you're going to tell him what to say, and he's going to view you as God because you're speaking through him. And so, you shall take this rod in your sight, in your hand, and which you shall do these signs. So Moses went, walked away from the burning bush. That'd be a big thing there. He went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Interesting. Do you notice something here? He's really going to tell Pharaoh to let his people go, but he tells Jethro, his father-in-law, I just want to go check on my family. Now, I don't think necessarily, friends, that's lying. It's just not telling everybody everything. But a lot of times, I don't believe we have to tell everybody what we're about. Remember, sometimes we have to be about our daddy's business, and until we are actually engaged in that, it's really nobody else's business. So, And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go, return to Egypt for all the men who are dead who sought your life. Moses then took his wife, his sons, set them on a donkey, and returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will not let my people go. Oh, here's another one of those verses. I'll harden Pharaoh's heart. Wow. Now think about that for a minute. God hardens Pharaoh's heart and then punishes him for it. That's a God of love, ain't it? Or is there something here we're not seeing? Remember, the more miracles that Jesus did, the harder the Pharisees' hearts got. So because God is all power and does the miracle, did God harden the Pharisees' heart when they saw Jesus do the miracles? Well, yeah, because God was the source of the miracle. It was how the Pharisees reacted to that miracle. It was how Pharaoh reacted to the supreme, awesome power of God. And the more miracles that God did at the hand of Moses, the harder Pharaoh's heart got. Because you see, in the Egyptian culture, Pharaoh was God. That's why they deified their leaders. That's why the pyramids, that's why all that stuff went on. That's why they would mummify him so they could come back eventually. Well, here you find the same problem. He said that they will, um, they will reject, Pharaoh will reject Moses what you have to say. Again, God just knew it. But again, it isn't that God hardened his heart like, I'm going to make you resistant to me. It's that I'm the source, 
And because he doesn't like the source, he rebels against that power of God. And so he says, I'll harden his heart, again, through the miracles that were done, the ten plagues, so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn, so shall you say to him, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son and your firstborn, speaking of the last and ten uh, the plague. And it came to, by the way, this next couple of verses here is amazing. A marital spat recorded in the Bible. Now, we always want people not to know that we fight with our spouses, don't we? Close the windows and doors and we'll duke it out kind of thing. We don't want anybody to know we have problems. Nobody wants to do that. Well, here's a marital fight in the Bible for us all to read about. Notice what it says. It came to pass on the way, back to Egypt, at the encampment, that the Lord met Moses and sought to kill him. Wow. That's kind of weird. He sends him to Pharaoh, and then on his way going to Pharaoh, he was obedient. He was on his way to Pharaoh. God sought to kill him. Why? The next couple of verses tell us. Then Zephorah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. I like the old King James better. It says, You are a bloody husband to me. Wow. Now that would have been one weird fight. She circumcises her son and then throws the foreskin at Moses. Try to get that out of your mind. Okay. So he said, so he let him go, and she said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Now you say, why? What is this about? Important lesson to learn. God is sending Moses to Pharaoh to let the people go. And then God sought to kill him because he hadn't circumcised his son. Why didn't he circumcise his son? Well, it tells us here. Zephorah was not an Israelite. This some weird pagan practice, Moses, that you want to do, you're not doing it to my kid. So he's on his way to stand up to Pharaoh, king of the world at the time. But he was cowardly when it came to standing up to his own wife concerning the custom of Israel. And says, surely you're a bloody husband to me. Because he didn't want to do, he, you know, I'll stand up to the king of the world, but don't ask me to stand up to my wife. Oh, no, you don't, want to, you don't know what that's like. Well, so it says, um, notice, cast it at Moses' feet. That had to be weird. But you see, you got to do what God wants you to do. And it goes in steps. I can't expect God to use me somewhere greater if I failed the first couple of tests. I think God was probably convicting Moses all along. He knew what the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was. Yet he wouldn't do it with his own son. But he was going to go stand up against Pharaoh. 
So God says, get the first things right at first, then we'll go on. And so the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. Now again, God spoke to him earlier that this was kind of a vision what was going to happen. God spoke to him, go meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words which the Lord had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of Israel and the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. And so the people believed. And when they had heard the words of the Lord, he had visited the children of Israel and that he looked upon their affliction. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped. God says, I heard your cry about the slavery. I've sent you a deliverer. Now, remember, God had sent Moses to them 40 years before when he killed the Egyptian And they, rather than saying, oh, look, we finally have somebody that's on our side in the government. Instead, the Bible says that Pharaoh found out about it. The only way Pharaoh could have found out about it was from the Hebrew children narking Moses off. Forty more years of slavery then. In fact, that's what Stephen was saying in in the book of Acts chapter 7, is he says, why is it with the people of Israel? Does God got to show you everything twice before you finally believe? Well, unfortunately, that's the hardness of people's hearts. We miss it sometimes. So what do we see here? First of all, Moses offers excuses. I, 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 I can't talk good. He says, okay, I'm bummed out about this. Take Aaron, your brother, and he'll be your spokesman for you. No matter what he offered as an excuse, God covered that excuse. God says, why didn't you just believe me, Moses? I made your mouth. I'll tell you how to say. You know, sometimes God uses our infirmity as an advancement when it comes to the kingdom of God. It may be a different thing. It might be that you were a geek when you were a kid and people made fun of you. Oh, he's just in his room playing with wires. You never know. God may use that down the road for an individual to get into radios like God did with me and build radio stations. It may very well be that a person that is can't speak well, sometimes when they do speak, you go, what is what are they saying? How is it? What? And you'll find in in God's word, work, the way he does things, he uses sometimes our infirmity to advance the kingdom of heaven. Now we can make an excuse for it. Moses certainly did. But God covered those things and said, look, Moses, I have selected you for my job. God has selected every one of you for his job. Now, this is what's important. Lord, what will you have me to do? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, what do you want me to do for you in your kingdom? Do you realize God's got something really special for every one of us? And we can't ever say, well, you know, I did that great thing for you, God. Guess I'm done. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. It it, it seems that God's History in our life prepares us yet for what God's going to use us for in the future. I I know some of those lessons have been very brutal for many of us. 
But that doesn't mean God's done. That just means God's preparing you for what's ahead. I remember somebody said to me one time, they said, well, if what God has had me go through has prepared me for what's coming, I'm scared to death what's coming. No, that's not the way we look at it. We look at it that those lessons are to keep us from getting tripped up. I remember one time I went through something in a church and it was very heartbreaking. I almost didn't want to go to church anymore, only to find out that lesson that I learned was so valuable in the years to come that had I not learned that, I would have been wiped out in a much bigger way. God has a way of doing things. Don't limit God. If you're a Christian here today, you're his child. You say, but Mike, why does God work so slow concerning what he wants me to do? Because remember this, preparation is part of it. Why does it take so long for a foundation of a house? You go by, yeah, they're building a new house. And you drive by, and and, and it don't look any different today than it did yesterday. Oh, you might see a backhoe out there doing one of these things, putting a pipe in or something. You, You say, but nothing's going on. Nothing's happening. The next day you go by, still, nothing's going on. Oh, you see some guy out there putting some wood forms up or whatever. Still, you don't see any building. Next day you drive by, maybe there's a cement truck out there and they're out there squeegeeing it off. Still, you drive by the next day, there's nothing out there. Next day you go out there and there's some guy out there with a white truck with a blue county badge on it with his pencil and paper signing things off. I don't see anything going on here. It's the way we feel about our lives. Seems like a lot of stuff. That's all preparation for what's going to happen in the days to come. And then one day you drive by and here's all the studded walls sticking up. And you drive by a couple days later and now the roof trusses are on. And then you drive by another day and the siding's on and the roofing goes on. And the next day goes on and pretty soon you start seeing the driveway and you start seeing all these things. And you go, wow! I didn't realize it. It just seemed like it just popped up overnight. No, it didn't. There was a foundation that was required. The foundation is what every one of us, God is doing in our life right now. And whatever it is that God has accomplished in your life, remember this, he does (laughs) add-ons. Have you ever needed the add-on to your house? You, you, You build it, and then all of a sudden you realize, you know what? We can turn the garage into another room. And then you do that, and then you realize you don't have a garage anymore. I guess we better build a garage. And so pretty soon you start. Yeah, and, and the thing is, God does that. He adds on to what he's already accomplished in your life. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But we want to do it and not complain and not offer excuses. Why? God says, what's in your hand? What do you have right now? That's what God will use to further his kingdom. And what you don't have, he'll put in your life. That's the good news. If you're not a Christian here today, a couple of things. Number one, you have no one that genuinely puts in your life for your good. Even sometimes the good things that you've experienced can even hurt you more. I think of the people that go down and they gamble. And they pull the thing or push the button and the wheels turn. And bing, 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 bing. You just won. And all the... go ding, 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 ding. And pretty soon they come up to you and, hey, you just won the grand prize. And you go, wow, that's really cool. And so they give you this stuff. And then next week you're going to go back, Jack, and do it again. And you lose it all. You see, the problem is if you don't 
have one putting into your life that's going to further your life, the things that are put in your life will be misused and you'll go the wrong way. See, that's why you need God. Because you've got a loving God, a Father in heaven. Not religion, friends, but a relationship with a daddy who loves you. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. That's the relationship. And by the way, I've shared this with you a million times. Cults never offer that. Oh, they'll say Father, but then you've got to do all their rituals to become his child. Where today you can say, Father, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry I've lived my life the way I've lived it. I want to be your child from this day forward. And God says, done deal, adopted. I like that. Cults don't offer that. You got to earn it. Doing religious stuff. Selling flowers in airports, wearing blue, you know, eat organically grown foods, all those kinds of things. God just says, I love you, period. You see, that's what unconditional love is. That's what cults don't offer. It's always conditional. It's conditional if you keep our mantras, if you join our church, if you go door to door, if you give all your money, if you have nine kids, if you do, if, 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 whoa. All of a sudden, it's not unconditional anymore. Now it is completely conditional. And you never, because it's conditional, you never know if you made it. So you'll ask them, if you died today, would you go to heaven? They go, well, I've done the best I can. Right there, it tells you it's the wrong answer. Because if you're going to heaven based upon your conditions, that you think you did it all right, when you get there and you're wrong, it's too late to do anything about it. That's why the Bible says God gives us the assurance of salvation. Somebody says, well, if you died today, would you go to heaven? I can say yes. Well, how do you know? Because Jesus paid it all for me. I'm clothed, you're clothed in his righteousness. It isn't by my works, your works, that we go to heaven. It's because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Always remember that. Now, friends, we as Christians enjoy that. But do you realize the people of the world and even people that go to church every Sunday, many of them don't know that? Because they're not taught that. Remember, as it says here, God says to Moses, I will teach you what you shall do. We need to be taught. We're taught from God's word. That's why Jesus said, we, are, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Not my favorite topics, not your favorite topics, every word, because it's going to minister to different aspects of, of, of our lives. And you need the whole counsel of God's word. If you don't get that, you can get it off. You know, I have found that if people will simply just read the entirety of Scripture, it will correct most of the bad doctrine that's out there. It just will. Because, because the Bible is complete. So this morning, if you're not a Christian, who takes care of you? Because you need to be cared for. Jesus said we're the sheep of his, of his, of his shepherd, sheep of his fold. We, we, we need to be taken care of. And if, you're, if Jesus ain't taking care of you, who is? God wants you to be restored, blessed, healed. And so this morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray, and you can ask Jesus to come into your life this morning. If you're a Christian and you have drifted away because perhaps... As we read here, some bad things happened and you couldn't reconcile it in your heart. And so you got mad at God. I want you 
to just lay that aside. Let God be God and say, okay, God, let's go from where we are right now. And you'll find God will make it all work. He just does. The Bible says he is the healer. Remember, he's the restorer and he's the healer. The two signs that he was to show to the children of Israel that God is God. He restores and he heals. If you need to be restored and healed today, let's pray. And let's let God take over. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I'm sorry for the foolish way that I have lived. And I repent of that. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And he rose from the dead to give me life each and every day. I commit my life now into your hands. Make me the best I can be for you. Empower me by your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. To love you and to love the lost and to reach out to them. And thank you for eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.